Hello, I'm Rachel King, Associate Editor for Central Banking, and this is CB on Air. Central bank digital currency has become the buzz phrase rather than the buzzword for the central banking community at the moment. Numerous central banks are embarking on new projects at record speed, and notably, collaboration between institutions has increased. However, the number of institutions to actually go ahead and issue a CBDC remains fleeting. One of the jurisdictions which has made the leap is the Eastern Caribbean Union. So to discuss how the live deployment went and some broader CBDC issues, Simon Chantry, who's the co-founder of BIT, the CBDC solutions provider, which was chosen by the ECCU's central bank to help launch a CBDC, is here to discuss some issues with me. Hi, Simon. Hi, Rachel. Thank you for having me here. So to start off with, um, obviously, you and your team were instrumental in the launch of the Eastern Caribbean Central Bank CBDC. Why was this location so ripe for CBDC issuance? Yeah, thank you. And I guess for uh, for the audience members that aren't aware, BIT is sort of the longest running full stack CBDC technology solutions provider. Uh, we were selected by the Eastern Caribbean Central Bank in 2019 to craft their digital Eastern Caribbean dollar, which they branded Dcash and, uh, uh, and which went live in March of 2021. So I, I guess the reasons why the Eastern Caribbean Central Bank uh, sought to digitize their currency and roll it out, I think it's got to do with the nature of the Caribbean financial system and the nature of the financial system in the Eastern Caribbean Currency Union more specifically. Mm -hmm. um, the Dcash network, the digital EC dollar network, will be sort of the first uh, network that's integrated with all of the banks. So there, there was definitely some payments modernization or, or payments infrastructure uh, development that needed to happen in the region. And so it was an ideal opportun uh, opportunity for a CBDC to sort of fill those requirements. Now, in, in other uh, countries, uh, certainly, and in, in more developed countries, you, you already have sort of uh, an interbank settlement system uh, that fulfills that particular use case. But in, uh, you know, in the case of the Eastern Caribbean Currency Union, that's, a, that's one of the large uh, use cases that the CBDC network will uh, will fulfill. Uh, it also enables them to transfer central bank money throughout all of the eight islands, all the eight member nations of the Eastern Caribbean Currency Union with more efficiency and less cost uh, and less time as well, more security as well, arguably. Um, so there's some of those sort of logistical issues. Uh, in addition, the, the region is really sort of uh, burdened by having to use the U.S. dollar for mm -hmm. as an intermediary currency when they're going to trade between islands. So if they want to trade between other member islands or sorry, other countries within the Caribbean, uh, they typically have to go from the initiating currency through an intermediary currency, which is a US dollar and then through to the target currency. And so the move towards a CBDC is, is a move towards the uh, multilateral uh, settlement clearance and settlement network that, that was envisioned you know, through the Caribbean community. Uh, many, many years ago. And so the way that we see it is sort of the path towards the Caribbean settlement network, which would involve the digitization of all of the all of the participating currencies mm -hmm. in the Caribbean, and then connecting them via a, a multilateral settlement network. So those are f a few of the sort of, uh, you know, more prominent topics that made that region sort of ideal for a CBDC pilot. Now, you mentioned that obviously each central bank is going to have its own objectives when it comes to CBDC, and there are some specific objectives that the ECCB was looking to meet, I guess. Since its launch, 
how has Decash helped the central bank meet its own objectives and some of the challenges that you've mentioned? Mm -hmm. So I see, and I think most central banks see it as sort of the initiation or the launch of infrastructure that uh, may not necessarily pay dividends right away, but it's paving the way for for a future um, that just sort of enables you know citizens, firms, et cetera, to have the lowest uh, lowest cost payments uh, you know basically possible in the region. So mm -hmm. thus you know thus far there's been a lot of efforts to basically get distribution, so get more merchants onboarded. Um, as well as to pave the way for larger payment streams, whether it's uh, government payroll benefits, um, COVID relief, these sorts of things, as well as disaster relief. So that we uh, basically rolling out in, in St. Vincent as well. I think um, maybe some of the audience would be familiar with the, uh, the volcano incident that happened earlier mm. this year in St. Vincent. So it's more the way that we see it now is it's more about setting up the infrastructure um, and then it'll be a, a sort of a gradual process of migrating payment streams to that infrastructure over the coming years. Uh, so I would say, you know, there there has been some uptick in in uh, in usage and whatnot since the launch, but um, there's still there's still a lot of uh, there's still a lot of ground to be covered, um, especially as it pertains to onboarding some of the existing domestic payment service providers. I think that these institutions, like these firms, rather are crucial in uh, in getting you know increased adoption of a cbdc it's not just an effort by a central bank it's an effort that includes the fintechs and the payment service providers of the region so you know we're very much looking forward to getting more of those payment service providers onboarded and so that mm -hmm. we can achieve more of those payments objectives now i also wanted to ask you about um, an issue which i guess is not really discussed as much within the cbd space and that is how these assets will be governed and whether central banks have appropriate frameworks in place. So I wanted to ask you why these governance issues are so important and why they're not talked about currently. That's an excellent question. Um, governance is, is, you know, it's something that intersects. It's like where technology and policy intersect. And when we think about the nature of distributed networks or, you know, the big buzzword that has been flying around for a number of years is uh, distributed ledger technology. So why, why is distributing, you know, having a distributed ledger, why is that advantageous and how, you know, how does it enable central banks and other stakeholders within a financial uh, system to achieve their mandate? Um, and and that's really what I mean. That's where the experimentation now is is ongoing in terms of governance. And so, um, at the end of the day, a CBDC network is basically a way to transfer central bank money, you know, securely mint and issue that central bank money and transfer it amongst uh, stakeholders in an economy or in a financial uh, system. And technology enables all the different stakeholders to actually play. Uh, not just an operational role, but also a, a technology uh, role in terms of uh, running a node that corresponds to the particular mandate. So this is where I think there's actually a lot of uh, development and and still probably research to be done as well in terms of you know our central banks and regulators and financial institutions alike are they leveraging distributed ledger technology uh, sufficiently mm. um, in order to actually take advantage of some of its uh, its like core value propositions? I mean, having a distributed ledger is not just about redundancy and uh, and 
uh, which it, it certainly is about redundancy, but it's not just about redundancy. So when we say redundancy, we mean each node basically uh, hosts a full copy of the ledger, right? Mm -hmm. So that at any given time, um, you can sort of verify the state of the ledger. So what are the balances and what are compliant transactions? And I mean, compliant by way of actually adhering to the system rules. Um, and so, you know, when we think about uh, uh, distributed, yeah, distributed ledgers, redundancy certainly is a desirable feature, but I think we can take it quite a few steps further in terms of governance. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so, so as central banks and regulators and financial institutions sort of wrap their heads around how they can participate from a technology perspective in the operation of a CBDC network, I think, I think we're going to see even more efficiency gains and, and more participation, frankly, in these sorts of uh, projects. And where does BIT fit in with all of this? Because obviously you've got your digital currency management system. How does how does that solve some of the governance issues that you've touched on and more broadly other challenges central banks face within the space? Mm -hmm. So yeah, BIT's digital currency management system enables uh, central banks and financial institutions and other stakeholders, including governments and merchants and wallet users to sort of interact with uh, a CBDC. Um, we specialize at the central bank and financial institution layer and, and I would say even more specifically the central bank layer in enabling them to securely you know mint issue distribute redeem and destroy digital currency uh, and but a lot of the functionality that we've developed has been developed by thinking about the entire ecosystem and this is where our first rollout in Barbados gave us some very very valuable experience in sort of managing, I mean, and to this day, we still manage the uh, M-Money, uh, Digital Barbados Dollar Network and applications uh, that's rolled out in Barbados and serving you know, thousands of merchants, it's serving uh, the government, tens of thousands of wallet users. And, uh, uh, and so it's given us sort of a holistic perspective on what it takes to manage a digital currency ecosystem. Now, of course, we don't have the ability to implement monetary policy in that particular deployment, but it certainly gave us sort of a technological edge and an operational edge in terms of understanding, mm. you know, each of the different uh, security and operations considerations for, uh, uh, for, for operating a system like this. So to bring it back to, you know, what we provide for, uh, for central banks and financial institutions, it really is the, the full stack in, in configuring uh, a digital currency deployment that suits the, the requirements, the unique requirements of your country. And so the way that we see it is that there are a number of base feature sets that are applicable to most countries in the world when they're digitizing their currency. And our and the Bit Digital Currency Management System basically achieves all of those feature sets. And then we're continuing to add more and more and more. And so, you know, the more clients that we onboard, the more features that we're building for them, and then some of them translate to other regions. In, in, in terms of interconnections and integrations with the existing financial system. Uh, those can be somewhat unique, as you can imagine, from a country by country basis. But in mm -hmm. a lot of cases, the, the workflows are quite similar. So again, you know, we're just constantly building out the feature set for, um, uh, for you know, for CBDCs more broadly. Um, yeah, does that answer your question, Rachel? It does indeed, and I know that you're building out your um, solution in, in the Caribbean region continually um, with more and more of the ECCU being onboarded as we speak. And I now know that also you've recently launched your project in Nigeria, so we'll have to continue to watch this space and see how you uh, embark on taking over the CBDC space. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's a really exciting one for us. Uh, Nigeria is obviously the biggest economy in Africa, and they have um, very ambitious plans for the uh, e-Naira. So, mm. you know, we're very, very excited to be working with the Central Bank of, uh, of Nigeria on that e-Naira project. No, it looks to be an exciting one. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today, Simon. Thank you. Pleasure to be here.